Welcome to the Reclaim Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Whether you're a part of our Reclaim Church family or just tuning in for the first time, we would love to connect with you on Instagram at Reclaim Church or at our website at reclaimed-church.com. We hope this word encourages and inspires you today. Let's dive in. So it's all about their conceptions and their birth. So that is Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, and that's what we talked about last week. And this week, to continue the story, Luke jumps forward in time, jumps forward in the future, and John is no longer an infant, but he is actually known as a prophet. All right, so what I'm going to do here is we're going to be going through Luke chapter, don't have it, Luke chapter (laughs) 3 through 9. All right, we're going to be going through Luke chapter 3 through 9. So I'm going to give you um, kind of a condensed overview over these chapters, right? Because statistically speaking, only 8% of us, only 8% of us in this room actually make a habit of reading this book. All right, so that means only 8% of us actually know the story. All right, so I've been trying to talk to you guys about the importance of reading along with us, but I'm going to talk about what is within Luke chapters 3 through 9, and then after I go over it, we're going to dive into a little bit of a story that I believe is a takeaway for you and I for today. All right, so again, Luke, after chapters 1 and 2, he jumps forward in time, and John is no longer an infant, but he is a prophet. All right, he is down at the Jordan River, and he is baptizing people, all right? He's leading this reconciliation. He's calling people to recommit themselves to God. He's having all of these people come, all of Israel's coming to be baptized. There's rich people, poor people, old, young, you name it. Even tax collectors and soldiers are coming to be baptized by this man named John. And that's where he got the name John the Baptizer, or maybe you've heard of him as John the Baptist. And it's because that's what it was that he was doing. Now, if you've come to church for a while, that just makes sense, all right? It's like, yeah, you're going to... Um, you know, you're going to recommit yourself to God. You're going to get baptized. It just makes sense to us. But if this story is new to you, it's a little bit weird that dunking yourself in a river has anything to do with recommitting yourself to God, right? That's just kind of weird. But you see, what John is doing is he's actually painting a picture of what the people of Israel did way back when, all right? You see, when God had given these people the land, they would come through the Jordan River And after they would come through the Jordan River, they were to take on this call to love God, to honor God, and to love their neighbor. That was the call that they were given after they were to go through the Jordan River. And if you've read some of the stories of the Old Testament, it can be a little bit confusing, a little bit harsh, but the people of Israel didn't do such a good job at following this call. They dropped the ball more often than not. They rebelled. They did things that they should have never have done. They followed other gods, and they actually turned away from the one true God. So what John is doing in this moment is he is preparing the way for Jesus to come, for God to be revealed. So he's telling everybody, this is your opportunity to go through the Jordan again. This is your opportunity for Israel to start over 
to go back through the river and come out rededicated to their God, ready for what God has in store for them. So that's the reason why he's dunking people in a river. It's not just so they can get wet, but it's symbolic for what their culture had done so many hundreds of years ago. And this is their opportunity to do it again and to do it right. So all of these people are coming to John and being baptized for this very reason, to be rededicated to God. And it's at this moment all right, if you've, if you've read the Bible, this is gonna be a familiar moment for you. It's at this moment that this man named Jesus, who is no longer an infant like in Luke chapter two, but this man named Jesus comes onto the scene and he actually gets baptized by John. And according to the eyewitnesses, the sky opened up and a loud voice from heaven spoke down and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now, I don't know about you, but what a wild day to be on the lake. I mean, am I right? I mean, load up the family, go on the boat, and you're just chilling. There's some weird guy wearing some weird clothes shouting, and then all of a sudden, heaven opens up, and you hear a voice shout down that this is my son. I'm like, man, I picked a good day to bring the fam out to the lake, you know? I mean, I can't believe it. It was a moment that not just Jesus heard, not just John the Baptist heard, but all of these eyewitnesses got to listen to the voice of God. And it was this, at this moment that they thought, wow, something is really happening here. Something is going to change. It was a pretty, pretty crazy day. And this is where we transition into Luke chapter four. And Jesus ends up going into the wilderness, into the desert for 40 days. And get this, he had no food. All right, guys, I have done the Daniel fast for two weeks before. And around a day and a half to day two, severe depression set in on me. All right, I didn't know I had an addiction to sugar. I didn't know I had an addiction to meat, but this two-week period was supposed to push me closer to God, and I swear it just pulled me back farther. <laughs> like, it was a time of depression. My wife and I were, were doing it together. I'm not going to lie to you guys. She caved. She made me drive her to Moe's in the middle of the day. She got a burrito, and I was like, I'm still serving God. Like, you can eat, you can eat your burrito if you want, but I'm, I'm going to fight through this with my bad attitude and depression, and, and I'm still, I'm not going to eat that. And Jesus seems to have had a little bit, just a little bit, better self-control than me and my wife during our two-week Daniel fast, because he went 40 days in a desert with no food. I'm like, Jesus, I can definitely make it through lunch. Like, I know if I'm busy and I got stuff to keep me occupied, but 40 days he went in the desert. And again, he's, Luke is writing the story to Theophilus. And what he's doing is he's painting a picture of how the people in Israel, way back when, how they traveled in the desert for 40 years. And where they were called to trust God, to put their faith in God, they ended up rebelling. They chose their own selfish desires, ended up worshiping things that were not Jesus, and where man failed, Jesus comes and he succeeds. Through hunger, through temptation, this man named Jesus walks out of the desert with complete faith and hope in his God. And Luke's painting a picture that this man named Jesus is going to carry the story of Israel forward. 
where we thought it ended, where it seemed to be a mess, this man named Jesus is going to carry it forward. And after the wilderness, Jesus came back to the region of Galilee, Jesus's hometown of Nazareth. And he's in the synagogue and he's invited to essentially kind of preach. But what they would do is they would have this moment where the priest would come up and he would take a scroll and he would read from the Torah or from the prophets. And Jesus is invited to do this very thing. And he walks up and he opens the scroll of Isaiah. And this is what Jesus of Nazareth reads. Again, this is a pretty significant moment. And this is why Luke records it in his story to Theophilus. And it's recorded in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, but Jesus opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now again, either this is brand new to you or chances are you've heard this time and time again, but have you ever asked yourself, why the poor? You know, did Jesus not come for the wealthy? Did he not come for the middle class? Do I have to, you know, kind of give away all of my money or do I have to make poor financial decisions for Jesus to come for me, you know? Like I was a good steward. Does that mean that Jesus isn't coming for me? And he came for the poor. So you see in Hebrew culture, in our culture, poor just means you have no money, right? But in Hebrew culture, it meant a lot more than that. It meant that you were an outcast. It would signify to women or to children or to those that were marginalized. All of these people were considered poor and it could even include people that had money. People like tax collectors many times were considered poor, not financially, but in the way that they viewed life they were spiritually poor. They were needing something. They had lack. They, they had, no one desired them. No one wanted to be with them. They were outcasts. And those people in Hebrew culture were considered poor. And Jesus goes, those are the people that I'm coming for. Those that don't feel love, that don't feel wanted, that feel like they made one too many mistakes, that have been outcasts, that aren't respected. Those are the people that I'm here for. And he continues to read and he goes, he sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. You see, Jesus seems to have a really big um, like view, a really big honor for freedom. He's all about freedom. When you read especially chapters three through nine, he's all about setting people free, whether that's from sickness, whether it's from their past or their shame, he's inviting them into a new kingdom, one that is established on freedom. And that is the very thing that he's opening up the door for all of these people. You see it all throughout chapters three through nine as he comes into people that have leprosy, as he talks to women and children, people that he wasn't even supposed to speak to by Jewish custom and Jewish law, but he was inviting them into a new kingdom where it wasn't about social status, but it was about freedom. He was inviting them into a kingdom of love. And this is what Jesus was all about. And this is why it changed the tides. It changed the whole world as we knew it because his kingdom was flipping everything upside down. 
In that time, in that culture, a man wasn't even supposed to speak to a woman in public. They were so demeaned, they were so looked down on, and yet Jesus was teaching women. That's why it was so crazy, no one could believe it. One of the most respected Jewish teachers at the time is quoted, um, I forget which um, Jewish book it's in, I could find it for you guys later, but he's quoted saying that I would rather burn the Torah than ever teach it to a woman. That's the culture that Jesus was walking into, and these are the people that he's going, I came for you. People that had made one too many bad decisions, I came for you. So I don't know where you are in life right now, what you feel, a lot of times it can feel like God, you know, he desires excellence, which he does, but it feels like when we don't provide that, that God would be better off without us. You know what, maybe I messed up one too many times. You know, I'm still dealing with this addiction. I'm still dealing with this shame. Maybe I'd be better off if I just kind of let God, God would be happier without me. And yet Jesus goes, you're the very person that I came here for. Says that God so loved the world for you, for people that are marginalized, for people that feel shame, that people that struggle with addiction. He goes, people like you, you are the reason why I came because I want you to experience freedom. And that's why here at Reclaim Church, our mission statement is reclaiming relationships because we want you to have relationship with God, relationship with people, reclaiming freedom because God came, Jesus came on earth to set the captives free and we want you to be free. We want you to be free from your addictions, from your shame, from your anxiety, from your depression, because that's the very thing that Jesus came to set you free of. We want you to reclaim your relationships, freedom, and purpose, and Jesus was all about freedom. So after this, after his um, big moment in the synagogue, can you imagine a teacher coming up opening up a scroll, reading from a prophecy that Isaiah wrote and talking about that it is his own. The people ended up forcing him over to a cliff and tried to kill him. And it's this really interesting story where Jesus slips through and no one could find him. It's like, wow, I wish that there were movies back then. You know, I'd love to watch that. And Luke includes it, why? Because it is such a monumental moment where Jesus reveals what it is that he's really here for. And he's here for you, and he's here for me. So shortly after this, Jesus brings all of his disciples together and he picks 12 to be the 12 apostles, to be the leaders, and he sends them out into the world, really, in a sense, to prepare the way to tell everyone about this kingdom that he's establishing here on earth. And it's a pretty um, interesting group of people. If you guys have ever watched The Chosen on TV, they do a really good job of kind of including what a random group of guys there are. There's um, a fisherman, there's a former tax collector who obviously worked for the Roman Empire, and then there's a former rebel who fought against the Roman Empire. Can you imagine bringing all of them together on the same team, and you're like, okay guys, so this is our call, this is our Kingdom. It's one of unity, love, compassion, and it's like you have people that have been fighting against each other. 
And this is exactly what Jesus was all about. He was about bringing people together and going, my kingdom that I'm going to establish is not one where we overthrow Rome, but it's one where we flip the world upside down, where we choose humility, compassion, love, generosity, and they go, these are the things that you're going to chase. And that's why when you read these stories, it's so interesting, you know, these disciples will be off in the corner arguing about who's best. And it's like Jesus runs in, it's like, you're missing the call. You're missing the mission. We are here to be humble. We're here to be generous. We're here for love. This is the kingdom that I'm establishing. And he sends these 12 apostles out to tell everyone about this kingdom that he's bringing. So Jesus was teaching that inside this kingdom, you're called to reconcile, to live in unity, and following Jesus means entering into this new way of life. And in Luke 6, verse 20, Jesus says this, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor. Again, remember what that word poor means. Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. He's going, you're the people that I came for. You felt rejected, you felt outcast, but you're the reason why I came. This whole kingdom that I'm establishing is for you. And he goes, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Jesus taught to love your enemies, to be strangely generous, and to forgive and show mercy. It's really a completely radical way of life. And when they feel hungry, when they feel rejected, he's looking them in the eye, he looks up to the disciples. I just imagine this moment, him locking eyes with the disciples and going, you're blessed because you're poor. In the moments when you feel like you've been betrayed, that you're unwanted, those moments you're blessed not because it happened to you, but because of your hard times, Jesus is here for you. In the moments of rejection, in the moments of your finances not meeting, in the moments where you feel like everything's going downhill, it's in those moments that Jesus, God, so loved the world that he gave. You are blessed because you get to enter into a kingdom where all that isn't counted against you. You get to enter into a kingdom where you truly get to experience freedom. Something that many of us cannot even begin to comprehend. Scripture says that Jesus parts our sins as far as the east is from the west. So many of us want to hold on to them. We want to deal with our shame. We want to feel like, you know what? I owe this to God to deal with my burden. You know, I'm a mess. I don't deserve God. But the point is, you're the reason why he came. You're the reason why he's establishing this kingdom. And we see this all throughout Luke's story. In chapter nine, he sends out his 12 disciples to tell everyone about this kingdom that he is establishing. Again, it's one of freedom, one of joy, one of love, but yet in chapter nine, he also says something else about his kingdom that is a little bit different. It's a little bit you know, shocking when you're hearing so much about freedom, so much about compassion, so much about love. This is what he says in Luke chapter nine, verse 23. He says, if any of you 
wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Again, this might be a familiar passage, but let's put it in context again. He's leading up this whole time. He's talking about freedom, talking about love, talking about grace, and yet, he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Many of us think that's what freedom is. Freedom is being able to do whatever I want when I want it. But the problem is we've confused freedom with free will. You see, Jesus didn't have to come to give you free will. You already had it. All right, so the freedom that Jesus is talking about, the reason why the Son of God had to become a Son of Man is so that sons of men could become sons of God. All right, our penalty for choosing what we wanted to choose our own way, our penalty was death. Because of our own choices, because of sin itself, our penalty was to die. So that's why the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that he could take that penalty on himself. So get this, so that you could walk free. That is the freedom that he's talking about. It's free, it's being freed from your penalty. All of those poor choices that you've made, guess what? You can walk free from that penalty because of what Jesus did. It doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but with all of those decisions, you will also reap the harvest of the seeds that you've planted. And Jesus is going, if you really wanna follow me, If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny all of those sinful desires. You've got to deny when someone cuts you off in traffic and you want to speak out and you want to tell them what an idiot you are. You know, those, those desires, those sinful desires are, that's the desires that we have to go, you know what? I actually chose to follow someone that has a kingdom that's completely different than that. So if I'm gonna choose to follow him, I have to choose to deny my own sinful desires. When you just wanna speak up, when you go, I deserve the credit, you know, when you want the credit for that accomplishment that you had, those are the desires that we have to push down. Go, no, 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 I wanna embrace a kingdom of humility. I wanna embrace a kingdom of grace. When someone takes advantage of you and that anger swells up inside of us, And we go, well, well, it's just because of them. It's just because of work. Not realizing that it's actually our own sinful desires that we're not choosing to deny. And Jesus is going, if you want to follow me, my kingdom is one of grace, forgiveness, love, humility, joy. And if you're going to follow me, these are the ways that I do things. It doesn't mean that when we stumble that God's upset that he's mad. It just means in the same way that he would handle disciples where he would walk up and go, you're off task. You're off, you're off your goal. This is the kingdom. This is the direction that we're moving in. So I'm gonna read um, kind of our last passage and then um, we're gonna come to a close in a bit. Okay, so this is out of Luke chapter six and it's verse 47. I know it's not on the magic screen. It lost its magic today, but that's okay, okay? I'm gonna read it for you. You guys can jot it down and read it later if you want. It's a familiar passage, and um, 
like I just read Luke 6.46, I didn't read it, but I'm going to read it now. Luke 6.46 says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Okay, look, we want, we want to wrap our heads around this, okay? Because we live in a culture where everyone wants to call Jesus Lord, but then we don't deny ourselves, okay? And we think that we're walking and that we're following Jesus when in reality we're in conflict, Okay? So this isn't condemnation. This is hopefully conviction because I want God to convict my own heart because there might be areas in my life where I'm walking my own way and I'm not following Jesus's way. Okay, so as we read the scripture, I'm gonna do it in my heart and I hope you're gonna do it in yours. I'm gonna ask God, what areas in my life am I choosing my own path, my own desires over yours? All right, and this is what he says again. Verse 46 says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Verse 47, he says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teachings, then follows it. Okay, so he's going to tell us a story, but this is the background to the story. This is what it's like when someone comes to me and actually follows my teachings. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid ground. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruin. So many times we read that, and again, we just put it onto, do you believe in Jesus? It's like, yes, brother Steve, I believe in Jesus. My house is built on the solid rock. And guess what? Remember, the trials don't create the condition of our heart. They just reveal it, right? So when trials come, when floodwaters rise, we might believe in Jesus. But when someone cuts us off in traffic, when our friend betrays us, when we don't get the promotion, guess what? They reveal that we heard Jesus, but we never actually obeyed him. We heard Jesus, but we never actually, we never actually obeyed him because we didn't choose love. We didn't choose compassion. We, choose, we chose our own way. We go, I want justice for this. I want you to pay for what you did to me. You hurt me and I want you to know it. And what do we, we call for justice when Jesus called for mercy. And we go, well, my house is built on the solid rock because I believe in Jesus. Yeah, you might believe in him, you just don't do what he says. We don't actually follow his teachings, we just believe that they're true. When Jesus says things like, we're supposed to have such a high value for reconciliation that when we walk in the church, and get this, when we hear that someone has something against us, not when you have something against someone else, but when we hear that someone has something against us, we're meant to lay our gift at the altar and go seek reconciliation with that person. How many of us actually do that? Or have we actually just heard the teachings of Jesus? And when someone actually has a problem with us, when those floodwaters rise, what does it do? It just reveals that our house was built on sand. We could go through teaching after teaching that Jesus taught us. 
when people hurt us more often than not, we don't do what Jesus said. We choose our own way. And this isn't, again, this isn't for condemnation. This is for conviction because I'm going, God, please show me the times in life when the floodwaters rise because I realize that the trials are not creating the condition in my heart because this is what I do. Are you ready? Let's see if anyone else has ever done this. I'm upset because I had a bad day. I'm upset because my coworker was rude to me and we feel justification for our mood, but guess what? You're only in a bad mood because the trials revealed what's really going on on the inside. Your floodwaters just revealed that you believe Jesus, but you don't follow what he says. So let me ask you, when those floodwaters rise, what is it actually revealing in your heart? And Jesus isn't a God of condemnation where he goes, look where you screwed up. He's a God that goes, hey, we can do it better next time. Because Jesus says, do not mock the justice of God. What you plant, you will always reap. So guess what? When you plant seeds of anger, you will always reap seeds of anger. And when you, when you plant seeds of grace, when you plant seeds of forgiveness, you will always reap grace and forgiveness. Many of us are in this poor cycle, not because of God not listening to us, not because the world's out to get us, but just because we've been believing what Jesus said, but not following what he taught. So I want to invite you into a moment. You can play, Christine. I want to invite you into a moment like John the Baptist was doing all of those years ago where he was sitting in the middle of the Jordan River, standing in the middle of the Jordan River and going, who would like to rededicate their lives? And he goes, we, we had it right for a moment, but who would like to come back into the Jordan River to walk back through and go, you know what, Jesus, last time I did it my way, I did it the way that I wanted, but now I'm gonna do it your way. And again, maybe you might be a Christian, but is there an area in your life where you've been doing it your own way? When it comes to your finances or your marriage or the way that you communicate, is there an area in your life where you've been doing it your own way? Because Jesus is inviting you to not just be a believer, but to be a follower. I don't want you to just be a believer. I want you to be a follower, to do what Jesus did, because there's gonna be people that say, Lord, Lord, that do not do what he says. And when that day comes, however long from now, when you're sitting face to face with Jesus, I don't want you to go, Lord, Lord, I thought I knew you and him to look at you and go, well, I never did. I want you to lock eyes and go, I followed you for years. You gave me everything. Like that song says, I don't want anything else but Jesus. You have everything to offer. So let's just take a minute. I want you to bow your heads and I want us to be serious if you're serious. And let's ask God, what area in my life have I been choosing my own way? So I'm gonna pray for you guys. God, I just ask that you would come forth, that you would meet us, that you would convict our hearts. God, we don't wanna just be speakers of the word, we wanna be doers of the word, Father. 
God, faith without works is dead. We want to follow you. So will you start to speak to us and guide us so that we can follow you, not just on Sunday morning, but from Sunday through Monday, through Tuesday, through Wednesday, throughout the week. We want to follow you, God. God, I ask that you would bless everyone here, that you would speak to them, that you would guide them, that they would start to experience true freedom. Not freedom just to do whatever they want, but freedom from what they've chosen. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In your name, amen. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe for more from your Reclaim Church family. God bless, and we hope that you have an amazing week.